Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host... I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. It is December 12th, 12-12. And you know what that means, Jack. Happy International Duke Day to one and all, all of you listeners of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. That's right, it is my birthday, which means it is our annual special episode. Boy, I just feel so blessed to be here talking to you for another year. It's been fantastic, and 2019 has been really good to me. So, we're going to have so many great surprises this week. The inbox is full. There's a lot of messages there, so I'm going to be playing some of those. The phone line is open, so there's no telling who's going to be calling in. And on top of that, on top of that, Listen to this. I am going to not only have a discussion with an All Elite Wrestling faithful fan, but I am also going to show some goodwill to our friends at All Elite Wrestling. Because, you know, they're they're a little salty at the Duke. Okay, I've been holding them accountable. I've been calling them out, just like I do every other promotion. And I know that some of the folks over at All Elite, you know, they're a little uneasy about some of my comments maybe they're not used to being held accountable for delivering what they market and somebody pointing it out which okay so as a gesture of good faith i am going to repost my exclusive interview okay the definitive interview with the legend tony shivani i'm telling we're going to call this the unsanctioned tony shivani interview that's right. So I'm going to be playing that to end the show, folks. Stay tuned. Uh, there's no telling. I'm telling you, man. It's, it's just going to be crazy, this episode right here. In fact, I'm going to do something that I know you fans enjoy. I am going to play the Happy Birthday song from Just Larry. That's right. This ridiculous song that you know I can't stand because he says the name of my arch nemesis, my number one arch nemesis in pro wrestling. But hey, this show is not about me. It's about you, the Duke Loves Wrestling listeners. So without any further ado, take it away, Just Larry. Duke, this is your favorite listener, Just Larry. Just Larry knows you're celebrating your birthday, so Just Larry's going to sing you a special rendition of a song written... Produced and performed by, you guessed it, Just Larry. And it goes a little something like this. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Duke. Remind me to send you a special copy of that one just because Just Larry knows it's going to be a smash hit. No need to say thanks. Just Larry knows you like it. I'm going to tell you right now. Every time I hear that song, I cringe. You know I can't stand that punk. Roman Reigns. So to hear Just Larry 
try to stick it to the Duke by saying that name over and over again. It's just ridiculous. I'm going to tell you right now, it's just ridiculous. That's right. That's right. In fact, uh, oh, wait, hold on a second. We got, we got the line open. Hello. Dukester. That's me. This is Rudy Boy Gonzalez from Texas Wrestling Academy. How are you doing? Oh, man. El Presidente, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Rudy Boy Gonzalez. I'm great, bro. Thanks for calling in. I'm just wishing you from the TWE and the TWA and my family and everybody involved, happy 30th birthday. <laughs> You're under 30, correct? <laughs> You're going to have to put a lot more numbers on top of that, but uh, close enough. <laughs> I'll certainly take it, and I, I appreciate that, Rudy. Listen, while I have you on the line here, because you, you know I'm, I'm doing the show right now, tell all our listeners about Texas Wrestling Academy and Texas Wrestling Entertainment, which is the promotion there. Uh, why do you folks matter so much, especially in, in the current year? Well, start off with, as you know, we're here in San Antonio. We used to be the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy. Until he passed the whole operation over to myself. 2019 has been one of those years, man. The first group of guys that we had any kind of connection or, or any kind of dealings with WWE was back in 2000. And that was Brian Kendrick, Brian Danielson, Lance Cade, and Sheeter Schultz. 2019, which is almost 20 years later, man, Max Castellano, one of my studs, went and did a three-day tryout. And then he was on NXT. Team Dream, Alex Gracia did a three-day tryout. She's done several uh, pay-per-views with Shine and, you know, Shimmer. And then she went to Japan with Stardom. And she's done some stuff with Evolve lately. Micah, Madrid, and, and Vicky are tag teaming down here. You know, and the independents are really not a whole lot of women tag teams. And so they're they're basically just taking over the deal down here in Texas 2020, they're, they're going to Florida to showcase their talents. Terrell Tempo won the Texas championship. And he's won, you know, Texas, several titles in different areas of, uh, with different promotions. Here in Texas, Max Castellano is, uh, is, is fighting for the Booker T's reality of wrestling title over at his place. 2019, we were just, you know, we've done some clinics with Kelly Blanchard and Tom Pritchard, and then we followed that up with WWN Clinic with Francisco Siazzo and Mercedes Martinez. The topper of it all, I actually spent a week at the Performance Center in Orlando training the, the young guys and showing them what the stuff that I knew and sharing some experiences. And it sounds like I'm supposed to be going back again next year, you know, the first part of next year. So 2019 has been like one of those years, man. And, and coincidentally, it's 20 years after Sean opened up his school, and so 20 years, man, we're still we're still kicking it and, and better than before, and it seems like it's just going up from here. You know, it's been great. Seems like every time I turn on the TV, I'm seeing somebody from the Texas Wrestling Academy in some way, shape, or form, even on the internet. I mean, like you, you mentioned, Micah Madrid and, and Vicky V, they were just part of an eye pay per view. I believe it was title match wrestling. Yes, uh, they had a pretty nice featured spot there. Mike and Vicky against two girls from Booker's school. The other girl was trained by Amber Moon. So you had four studs in the ring going at it. Not to mention Vicky won. Vicky got into bodybuilding and uh, trained for about nine, ten months or so, and she came out first in first place up in Dallas in the novice division, which is although the first timers or what have you, and third place 
overall. So I mean, that's you know, and and you go on her Facebook page, you see the pictures. You know, yeah, she's she's a powerhouse. There's no <laughs> two ways about it. Vicky Vicky V is definitely a powerhouse. I don't appreciate her tagging with Micah Madrid, but that's another story. Uh, well, you know what, Duke? I mean, you know, Micah's her own person, and she's taking you know, kicking ass and taking names, and, and she's had, she has my name down a couple times also. So I'm... <laughs> well, she has my name down, but I keep leaving town every time she's around. So you know, <laughs> I've avoided her pretty well. Like you said, I mean, you talk about folks from from Vicky and Micah and, and Max Castellanos, which, you know, relatively speaking, these are your current still students, people that you're still training, still going to the TWA and, and performing in the Texas Wrestling Entertainment, what have you, all the way up to Daniel Bryan, who was one of your first students 20 years ago. And over the past year, I mean, he's been a WWE champion and a WWE tag team champion. So. Yep. This guy's still main eventing. He's still he was a pivotal uh, figure in helping Kofi Kingston become champion at WrestleMania. So, so this is the other part about this too. I mean, he was co-main eventing WrestleMania. This is one of your former students here. So, problem, tremendous, problem. tremendous, you know, huh? And it, it's unreal. You know, like you know, again, back, back to twenty years. You know, it's it's uh, the same training techniques and what have you. You know, it was still there. We've had a few things here and there. But, I mean, the main thing that, that I really focus on is that the guys come out of here and they're contributors, not just to independent wrestling, but to the big stage. You know, I, I can easily see a Max Castellano on uh, AEW against Cody Rhodes or or uh, NWA Power, the, you know, the Latina Alliance, Mike and Vicky against uh, Thunder Rosa and Marty Bell. You know, I mean, it, they, they can fit in. Uh, and any of these, uh, you know, bigger promotions are sprouting up. So, um, you know, and that's, and that's the thing about anyone, you know, this may, uh, upset some people, but anybody, just, just about anybody can participate in the independence. But it, you know, you gotta have something special to be able to move up to the bigger stage and contribute and be relevant, you know? And, uh, that's why I try and get across to the TWA guys is, you know, if you guys want to settle for, you know, for the mom and pop grocery store, that's fine. But there's Walmart out there, you know. There's bigger deals out there than than what's right in front of you. You just got to work for it. Well stated. Well stated. And listen, if anybody wants to reach out to you and, and get information about Texas Wrestling Academy, if they want to be wrestlers themselves or if, if they're interested in Texas Wrestling Entertainment, if they want to check out some of your shows and see – who tomorrow's stars are going to be. They, they can catch him at the beginning of their career. Uh, what's the best way that they can reach out and get some more information? Both of them have their own web, their own Facebook page, Texas Wrestling Academy and Texas Wrestling Entertainment. Or if you're, you know, mainly interested in wrestling school, you can also email me at Texas Wrestling Academy underscore SA, like San Antonio. Like somebody said they, they sent in a, they're emailing me with Texas Wrestling Academy essay like Eddie Guerrero essay <laughs> and the email wouldn't go through but it's Texas Wrestle Academy underscore SA at yahoo.com good stuff good stuff listen Rudy before I let you go there was a, a, a comment that came out recently Tessa Blanchard I know you're very close to her family you mentioned Tully Blanchard you did a, another seminar at your, your school there grandfather Joe Blanchard he's the man who trained you and, and really took care of you in the wrestling business when you first starting off Tessa Blanchard and Jordan Grace brought up the Sandman, 
ECW original legend, what have you, and how he stated very matter-of-factly that women should not be in the main event. He, he didn't believe in it, he didn't feel that it was right, etc., all this other nonsense here, uh, at least from my perspective. As, a, as the trainer of champions, and as somebody who's trained so many women, so many women, I mean, geez, you, even uh, Victoria Gonzalez, which we haven't mentioned her, she's in NXT right now, and she even went down with beating up some people in Evolve. Uh, she's another one yep. that, that trained with you. Yep. You've trained so many women, and you've actually had women in the main event in uh, some of your cars that you've booked as well. What do you think about that comment, that women should not be in the main event? What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I saw I saw the the tweet Jordan sent out, and I, I saw the little uh, promo deal that Tessa did out in the middle of the ring stuff, and... Um, I don't agree with the comments Sandman said. I don't agree with them. Uh, simple as that. Okay, but what do you what do you think of it though? So I, I okay, you don't agree, but what's what's your take on it? Like, what's what's Rudy Gonzalez's take on the concept of women shouldn't be in the main event? I just told you, I don't agree. You don't agree, but that doesn't really answer the question because it's like. I don't agree, but I don't have a comment, let's say. Or I don't agree, I do feel that women should be in the main event. Like, which one is it here? You know, we, I just want to get some clarity from you. Duke, you're arguing just to argue now. He hung up on me. Can you believe that? Rudy Boy Gonzalez, the trainer of champions, the guy that has trained everybody from Vicky V and Micah Madrid, literally the hottest female tag team on the independent wrestling scene today he's trained daniel bryan literally one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time he has the audacity to hang up on the duke on the duke's birthday well i'm gonna tell you something rudy gonzalez i don't care if you train all these big and tough wrestlers i don't care if you're a big and tough wrestler your own self i don't care that you can beat me up in fact I'm going to shut my mouth right now because you can beat me up. But just know one thing. I'm thinking things, Rudy Boy Gonzalez. I'm thinking things in my mind. And I'm going to leave it at that. That's right. That's right. Let me play some of these uh, voice messages. Like I said, the, the voicemail box is full. In fact, let me just jump into a couple right now. Yo, Duke, what's up, man? It's Wade. You know, that ring scoops guy. <laughs> anyway, I heard that it's your birthday, dude, and I just wanted to wish you a very happy birthday, and I hope you have a really good one. Keep on rocking and rolling, bro. Be cool. Hi, everyone. It's Michelle Evans just reaching out to wish my boy, Duke Love Draftland, a happy birthday. I hope you have an amazing birthday, an amazing year. Um, I'm truly thankful we're friends, and everybody have a great day. Thank you. That's good stuff there. That's good stuff. Thank you very much. And up, oh, look, the phone is ringing again. Here we go. Hello. Hello, this is Phil from Bell to Bells. Heard it's your birthday. Happy birthday, sir. Oh, one of my favorite wrestling columnists out there, Phil Lindsay there from Bell to Bells. What's going on there, Phil? Uh, not too much. What's going on with you? Well, man, you know, I'm just celebrating my birthday here, and I appreciate you calling in to uh, the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. In fact, you know something? I'm glad that you called in, Phil, because you just put out a, a really interesting article uh, on the man formerly known as Jordan Miles, a.k.a. Super ACH, 
I'm glad that you called because I wanted to get your your thoughts on that a little further because, boy, there's a lot of meat on that bone. I know you've already gotten some interesting responses to that. Talk to me about the article and and let everybody know where they can find that, please. Okay. Yes, I I wrote an article on on the ACA situation for Daily DDT. Um, You can find that on our website, dailyddt.com, or on Twitter at fansideddt. Um, you know, I just wanted to take an objective look on edit and just look at the response he's gotten ever since he left WWE and just some of the response he's gotten since he criticized the shirt design. And I, I just, I just think with, as usual, a lot of fans are kind of taking this one side approach to it. And, uh, that's mostly what I talk about for most of the article. You mentioned the fans. What about people in the industry? Do you, do you feel that they're the ones kind of fueling the take of the fans, or do you feel that the, the quote-unquote fan take would have been there anyway as it relates to ACH? And, and, folks, just to refresh your memory here, this is the guy who was in the WWE and, and seemingly was enjoying a, a pretty good push there. In fact, I believe he was undefeated. But because of a racist T-shirt design, which he, you know, called out, and the WWE still managed to put it up on their website for sale, uh, that was, you know, a little too much for him, and, and he demanded his release. In fact, he just quit, and eventually WWE completely released him, so he's free to work wherever he wants to work and what have you. So a really interesting situation there that you don't really see too often in terms of how it evolved and turned into him completely being gone from the company. I mean, as far as I know, not, he doesn't even have a 90-day no-compete. He's just, that's it. They released him. Right. Uh, Phil, who's who's motivating, though, the the hate, so to speak, towards ACH? Is the fans, they're going to do that on their own, or do you think some of the industry are kind of pushing that as well? Well, I, you know, I think a lot of fans would do it on their own. You know, as you know, a lot of fans are very loyal to, whatever product they're watching at the moment. I mean, and you're seeing that a lot now with um, AEW and both WWE competing. There's a lot of AEW fans that are very pro-AEW, and there are a lot of WWE guys that are extremely pro-WWE. So I I think there's this um, tendency by a lot of fans to just lash out at anyone that says anything against their company that they're siding with. So I'm not sure if there's any insider out there that's really riling people up so much as it's just people are, you know, running with whoever their, you know, preferred brand is. And I mean, I did see the thing that Meltzer said, which was kind of in, it was kind of in poor taste. I wasn't sure what he was trying to say with it, but I'm not sure if that added to it. You you mentioned Meltzer, which, you know, that's kind of a bad word in, in, in my world here just because the guy has a history of, you know, for every accurate article that he puts out there or, or every article that has an iota of truth to it, there's so much more conjecture and, and things that are put in there which are clearly his opinion, yet he's reporting on it as being a fact, which is part of the reason why I'm really disappointed in Dave, especially over the past 10 years or so. Uh, but what did what did Meltzer say about ACH? And, and it's fair for you to paraphrase, but... You know, you mentioned what Meltzer said. What, 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 do you, what did he say, if you can remember? Um, you know, he, he definitely said that, you know, certain things about them releasing him is probably the right thing to do. But he also said, you know, 
this sets a tone for how do you get released in the future, which I thought was kind of irresponsible because it it makes it seem like ACH went through went into this whole situation just trying to get released, and I'm not sure if that's the case. I think at first he just had issues with the sh- with the shirt, and once he wasn't getting the response from the company that he felt he deserved, then he wanted to leave. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. And Phil, you're a person who is is very experienced in corporate corporate culture and right. what have you. You understand the ins and outs of that. And, and myself, you know, both in business and in government, I've I've managed. So I've had to be the person who hands out the the paperwork and goes over the specifics of what the the do's and don'ts are and what have you. I have a feeling. And tell me if you if you feel this makes any sense or not. I have a feeling that there was a condition regarding ACH's release from the WWE. They allowed him to, to just completely walk away, and you can go and work wherever you want to work or what have you, but you can't sue us. So I think that they, there's some kind of clause in there that he waived his right to sue and I think that the reason why they allowed him to be released as clean as they did is because they understood that he probably had a case, especially considering the, the email receipts that he had and what have you. There was something wrong there with that T-shirt situation. There's definitely Absolutely. a situation where he blew the, blew the whistle, they ignored it for whatever reason, and still put that thing up for sale. And that's when he started crying racism and what have you, which he had a, a valid point with. I think they knew that they were in a pickle and even going to court with that. The negative press and what that would do to the to the stock prices and things of that nature, they realized, let me just let this guy go, make sure he can't sue us, and that way we can move on. What, what do you think about that, that theory of mine? Well, he, he had them in a tricky situation, right? He had them in kind of a bind because, you know, they need the most positive press at the moment that they, that they can get. You know, they... They've got a little bit more competition out there. You've got New Japan coming into U.S. now. He's got AEW, so they they can't really take a a negative press hit like that. And then on top of that, you've got Hogan going into Hall of Fame again next year. So you can't have a guy that's out here saying, "Oh, this company's racist," while you're also kind of sweeping some <laughs> outlandish racism under the rug. So he had them in a bind. So I absolutely believe, you know, he could have continued to break them over the coals for another few weeks or another few months. And they were just like, okay, let's get this as quiet as we can immediately. So let's just release them. No 90-day. Let's not freeze the contract. Let's just completely wash our hands of them. And you're probably right. They probably sat down with him and said, look, we're going to release you, but you cannot continue to come at us. You cannot continue to um, send flack our way. It's a rare occasion when Phil Lindsay and I agree this much, so you better take a picture. I think he's just being nice to me because it's my birthday, but who <laughs> knows here? <laughs> now, Phil, we had Shad, you know, the guy who was one half of crime time in the WWE. He recently put out a statement online where he just completely ripped ACH to shreds, saying that uh, they tried to 
help him out and he's completely dissed everybody and for that reason now that they don't support him anymore Shad's speaking as if he's speaking on behalf of some kind of collective of people who Correct. are involved behind the scenes in some way shape or form I'm going to tell you how I feel about his statement and then I'd like for you to respond with how you feel and, and let's see if the two match up Okay. I'm very disappointed in Shad and I feel like his statement was completely disingenuous and I say that only for this reason if he wanted to communicate with ACH and if he had been as involved as he was then he understands where ACH is coming from whether he agrees or not with how ACH has been handling things being vocal online and saying whatever he wants to say why would you personally attack this guy this way if allegedly you were trying to help him. Because at the end of the day, ACH is not obligated to take Shad's help. You can make right. all the suggestions in the world that you want, but at the end of the day, i got to do what I feel is best for me. So for him to go on the attack the way that he did, in my opinion, it almost felt as if he was trying to send a signal to the WWE that you know he'll go out there and do a solid for them and, and almost defend them to a certain degree here at the expense of ACH. That's my take. What's yours? Yeah. It, it was real interesting because um, just the timing of it was very interesting, in my opinion, because um, it was it was like almost immediate. So almost immediately when he started lashing out, then immediately Shad came with his comments. And the thing that kind of bothered me about Shad's comments is it wasn't like, okay, well, we've helped you out, so now i got to step away from you. It was very it was very demonstrative. Like, he came at him really harshly, I felt like, and I don't know what their relationship is outside of that, but he came at him really hard, and I felt like he made a point of being seen to come at him really harshly, and that's kind of why I agree with you that it felt kind of disingenuous because it was like, okay, if you felt that harshly about it, you know, get that man on the phone or, you know, send him a message like, hey, you know, let me talk to you. And then you clear that up there. But to come out and say that he's an attention seeker and all these other things, but then you also made this very public display of trashing him, it makes it seem like you also want attention. I don't know if I'm off base there, but that, that's what it seemed like. You and I are on the same page. You and I are completely on the same page. We're, we're talking to Phil Lindsay. This is a uh, wrestling journalist there from Bell to Bells, Daily DDT. You name it, this guy has written everywhere. He, he legitimately is one of my favorite wrestling writers out there because Phil is very thoughtful, does the research. It uh, doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with his take. He does a great job of explaining where he's coming from, which is always welcome there. Uh Phil, let me, let me ask you, to the best of your knowledge, and you're a guy that does his research, so I, I, I'm going to trust that you you know, have some kind of perspective on this, but to the best of your knowledge, is Ring of Honor performer Jay Lethal, is he Jesus? No, absolutely not. Is, is he God? <laughs> no. Okay. All right, because the the way that people have reacted to ACH calling out Jay Lethal and, and you know calling him an Uncle Tom and 
all these other things. The way folks have reacted, it's as if Jay Lethal was the most perfect being to ever exist in life, and there's no possible way he could be any of these things that ACH has, has stated that he is. And for that reason, because you've disparaged the, the great name of Jesus Jay Lethal, uh, we can't believe anything you have to say now, ACH. What do you think about that, uh, Phil? And I know you touched upon some of this in your article there. Overall, what do you think about this concept that disparaging Jay Lethal means that everything else you say must not be true? Well, honestly, I don't think people are that are coming to Jay Lethal's defense in some cases. Let me clear that out. Let me put that out there first. <laughs> in some cases. I don't think some of these people actually care that much about Jay Lethal or even defending Jay Lethal. I think the second he said something bad about Jay Lethal, it gave people the justification to go, oh, no, see, you're just full of hate. You just want to start stuff. That's all you want to do. It, and it gave them something to hide behind instead of taking his claim seriously. Um, and, I mean, he um, he went over some of his his beef with Jay Lethal Friday, I think that was, when he started tweeting about it. And, you know, from the very beginning, I could tell it was something personal he had going on with Jay Lethal. There's personal things that went on when he was there at Ring of Honor. So I'm not here to tell him he's wrong about that. I wasn't there. I don't know either of them personally. Um, I don't know if I agree with him throwing Jay Lethal in, in his rant, but at the same time, like I said, I don't know what happened. And judging by what he he described on Friday, I can understand why he might be upset with Jay Lethal. At the same time, like you said, Jay Lethal is not perfect. ACH is not perfect. No one is. Um, there's certain things that have come out about Jay Lethal that I feel didn't get the attention that it deserved. And I feel like there are people that have suffered or can't work at the moment because of things that Jay Lethal was attached to, and no one talks about that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and, and women in particular. Absolutely. The accusations and the things that have been thrown out there about Jay Lethal have been pretty strong. They may or may not ever be 100% proven, but the fact that people are actually going that far to speak about Jay and his character, both positively and negatively, just lets me know that he's a human being. He's not Jesus. Right. He's not God. <laughs> so nothing is beyond the possibility with Jay Lethal or anybody else for that matter, uh, folks. I don't think that we can discredit ACH overall and everything he has to say because he dares speak about our Lord and Savior Jay Lethal. That just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't wash with me at all. So uh, we as a, as a society... And, you know, I'm going to speak on a personal level, but my experience with, with black folks, and I am a black man myself, not an African-American folks, I'm a black man. As a black man, I can tell you that speaking openly about mental health issues, speaking openly about your emotions, if you're not having a good day or, or you know, if, if, the, if the world is being challenging, as far as you're concerned and what have you and the, and the struggles that you're going through, that has always been frowned upon and, and looked at as a weakness. 
And the older I've gotten, the more I realize there's a lot of strength in speaking up and just expressing whatever the truth is. And the truth, as you see it, may not be the truth as, as anybody else sees it. And as far as I'm concerned, that's that's immaterial. It doesn't matter. Whatever the truth is, from your perspective, I feel like you should shout it out to, to the rooftops and not be afraid to express it at your leisure. When I think about life from that perspective, and then I see somebody like ACH, who has been open about the fact that, yes, he does have some mental health things that he copes with, just like most people in the world, I can't look at this guy and be upset with him by anything that he says. That doesn't mean I don't, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says or even how he's delivering the message. But I actually admire the fact that he is giving a message, that he's speaking up, that he's being open about it, that he's willing to stand as firm as he is on whatever it is that he believes. In, in your opinion, Phil, what is the best way to view ACH, the man, and this whole thing that's been going on for about the past month now? What's the most sobering perspective to view this from? Uh, well, you know, I, I think the thing is you got to look at you got to look at WWE's press release to it, and that their only response to the entire thing, and their response was basically, "Well, he approved the shirt, so if he had a problem with it, he should have told us directly." And I think that's kind of the crux of the issue here. Um, I think a lot of people are coming at him, well, why are you so upset? Or why won't you just let it go? But I think the crux of the issue here is he came out and told you something was wrong, and instead of WWE going, you know what, we made a mistake, um, we took the shirt down, um, we certainly didn't mean for it to be that way, we certainly didn't mean for it to appear racist, but we're doing our part to fix it. They didn't do that. They, in turn, tried to make him out to be paranoid, and they tried to make him out to be a guy that isn't telling exactly the truth. And I think that's, like I said, that's the big crux of the issue. Everybody can make it about what he said about Jay or, you know, oh, he got upset about this or he made some, you know, weird Selena joke or slash reference, but... I think a lot of this is a guy lashing out because, you know, he's telling you he had a problem with something and people are gaslighting him. And as far as the mental health thing, you know, he said he has issues with anxiety, but he never mentioned them in correlation to his issues with WWE or any of his um, outbursts on, on Twitter. A lot of people are putting that on him. A lot of people are saying the mental health stuff is related. He's never said that directly. So I, I, I just think people need to understand that people are are humans, and especially you know, just me speaking as a black man, you know, we we encounter a lot of microaggressions. We encounter a lot of things that are built upon, you know, whether that's like I said, someone you know making you out to be paranoid because you said something you didn't like, or other things. Just the, the, the shirt in itself. 
I mean, just other all kinds of things that we know aren't right, and we don't say anything about it right away. And we let those things build up until you get to this point with, like, ACH right now, where you, there's no controlling you. You don't want to talk about it. You just want to vent. And I think that's where he's at. And I think people just need to let him vent. Just let him vent until he gets it out and he's ready to move on. Well said. Listen, Phil, again, you're somebody that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. I, I really appreciate your professionalism and, and the great job that you do at your works. Let everybody know, if they want to follow you online, if they want to make sure they stay up to date with anything that you release, what's the best way they can get more Phil Lindsay in their life? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PhilDL616. Um, you can find my writing at Daily DDT. Um, you can also find my writing at uh, Bell to Bells, which I'm the editor-in-chief of, and I also write there. I think that's about it. Always a pleasure to talk to Phil Lindsay, and I really appreciate him reaching out on this special Duke Day, International Duke Day. Once again, folks, you got to check out Phil Lindsay, great writer. We don't always agree on everything, but I'll tell you right now, I love uh, reading what he has to write. I love in, in talking to him. Phil is just a really solid dude. That's right. Let's check out another voicemail here. Hey, guys, this is Jay-Z Flair, the Bojangles champion, and I'm here with my bride. This is Chelsea. And we're here to talk about jayzflair.com slash store. And also, you can find me at beneaththemakeup.com. And we just want to make sure that Duke has a happy, happy birthday. So for me and my bride, I hope you have an awesome birthday. See, I am just feeling the love it's just great stuff. I, I really appreciate all of the positive energy that I'm receiving right now. The Duke Loves Wrestling hotline is, is flashing right now. Let me see who this is right here. Hello. This is Tyra Rusumi. Oh, Duke. no. Oh, no. Oh, dookie, 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 duke. Hi, Tyra. Hi. <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh, how do you know it's my birthday? Okay. Uh, Thank you. Let's see. Last year, we had the same scenario before, and I promised that once I get to America, oh, which I am in America at the moment, I will find you and give you some TLC. In other words, beat you up. I don't like tea. I, I'm a coffee drinker now, Tyra. I don't want any tea, any L, any C, I, you know. I, I'm all right, all right, anything. right. In summary, I'll just beat you to a pulp. How's that sound? It doesn't sound very good at all. Uh, so, wait, you're supposed to be over in, in Asia. You've been, you know, all over the world and, and, and wrestling. I even read something that you were in Mexico uh, recently as well. So, you're in the United States right now? Yeah. I am. I am in the United States, and I've been meaning to ask you, where are you, my dear friend? Where are you, Duke? I'm in the secret location, which is, is very it's secure. You are no fun. You know, I still remember, I think roughly last year, again, the scenario itself, I was about to beat you up, but then you jinxed me, and my arm broke. So there's more oh. reason for me to want to find you this year, huh? Well, well, Tyra, I just want you to know something, okay? The wrestling gods don't take too kindly to people threatening the Duke, okay? So, 
I just I just want to warn you if you if you put your hands on me, not only will I sue, but you know you, your arm broke before, maybe you'll you'll have an eyelash fall out, or you know you might miss have a missing ear like Mick Foley. I'm just saying things happen to people who mess with me. Oh, uh, well, this is coming from someone who has not experienced what I've experienced this year, which is deathmatch wrestling and brawl and a neon lights bar fight without a ring. Oh, I think I'm ready for, you know, to make that come true. <laughs> no, I don't I don't do the death matches. I don't I'm not a wrestler. I'm not a fighter. I'm the Duke. And who are you doing these these death matches with? What what are you are you with a company? Who are you doing this with? Um company I represent and I call home with the Primos Premier Pro Wrestling. And we are in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. So you you mean to tell me that you're you're mixed up with those freaks, the the the, the Joe Provider guy, and those freaks and Prevo, these deathmatch lunatics jumping off of things and and busting themselves up, thinking that they're they're some kind of saviors or something. That's who you're wrestling <laughs> with. I won't say savior per se, but I would say they love to fight. <laughs> and there is that taste for blood, which, by the way, can be like you know how sharks are when they have a drop of blood. Yeah, once it once you see it or you smell it, then you just can't control yourself. Yeah, you know everyone has their little primal animal inside. It's just some of us are you know af- afraid or not afraid to let it out. <laughs> well, That's how I look at deathmatch. Tyra Rusme, let me tell you something. Mm. I have no interest. And ever seeing you face to face, I don't want any problems. I, Aww, I think you come on. Stay. We're good friends. I think Such you friends. stay over there with those primos, crazy lunatics, and, and, and <laughs> I, you know, I'll stay where I'm at, and we'll both be in harmony the way it's always been, right? Uh, we'll see. I just have to plot my way and figure out where your HUD and place is, or secret places, wherever that is, whether it's under the bridge or, I don't know. Where are you exactly? Are you under a bridge or are you under a basement? Or I'm trying to visualize a secret place now. <laughs> My goodness, I, I just <laughs> Tyra Rusume, she is terrifying. Okay, make no mistake about it, she is absolutely terrifying. And the fact that she wants to call me every year just to threaten my life. I I don't know, man. I'm I'm gonna have to go into witness protection or something because I just I don't know what to do with her. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, let's get into this again. There's a lot that happened over the past week. I made some comments about All Elite Wrestling again. I'm just holding them accountable. A lot of folks reacted to it. I decided to invite one of the people who reacted to it on the show. So without further ado, listen to my conversation with Agent Kevin007 right now. Social media is a great tool. For communication, as we all know, I appreciate all you listening to the show and keeping up with everything through the years. And we communicate online; it's great. But I got to tell you, as you've seen, sometimes I, I put something out there and I don't think anything of it, and next thing you know, it's like the world is ending, the sky is falling. Oh my God, the Duke has said something negative about our Lord and Savior Cody Rhodes about AEW, the Lord's AEW, and, you know, whatever. It's, it's, this 
same thing used to happen when it was just WWE and I would call them out on things, and I still do, although people tend to ignore that now. They're just looking for me to say something about AEW that they don't like so they can jump all over me. Well, there was a situation. There was a situation on Dynamite in which the Le Champion, Chris Jericho, he listed all the people that will not be getting a shot at his championship. Because, you know, he has to he has to have one more match before 2019 is over. So he lists all the people who are not getting a shot. He even mentioned Cody Rhodes and says, you know, he, he's not getting a shot because he can't get a shot. And then Jungle Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, Luke Perry's son. He comes out, they have a little talk. Jericho says, you wouldn't last 10 minutes. And next thing you know, they, they sign the match. All right, these two guys are going to wrestle. Great. But there's only one problem. If AEW is the alternative, if AEW is the sports-like presentation where wins and losses matter, why the hell is Chris Jericho making his own matches, first of all? More importantly, why the hell is Jungle Jack Perry, a guy who's never won a match, battling Chris Jericho for any reason? especially for the AEW Championship. So I posted that. Literally over 100,000 impressions, and it's still going to this very moment, folks. People are just losing their mind. They can't believe that I would have the audacity to call out AEW. Cody, he responds back to me, which he does from time to time, which is fine. <clears throat> he says, obviously, on the, on the program, we were clear it's not going to be a, a title match. And the neckbeards and the humanoids went wild because their Lord and Savior, Cody Rhodes, gave them the green light by saying I was wrong. So now they can just pile on and really put the pressure on. So I sat back. I let them go. I thanked most of them for their comments and their participation. You know, the ones who were being a little too vulgar, I kind of pointed that out and told them clean it up. Because you know me, the Duke is not out here cussing and carrying on. you got to be respectful even when you disagree. Come on. So finally when I got a little, I felt like the, the, we were at a fever pitch. We had to hit them with the bam. On the AEW website, they post that Jericho is contractually obligated to defend the AEW championship one more time in 2019, which is in line with what I was saying. So why the hell would he be talking about having a match at all if he wasn't talking about having a title match? doesn't make any sense. Clearly, there's some kind of confusion here. And there's some confusion based on what the website is saying and what Cody Rhodes is saying. These are two people in the same company, mind you. They can't even communicate properly. Whoever's running the website and Cody, that's a whole other issue. Dysfunction all the way, right? But this is AEW, folks. They, they market one thing, they deliver something else, and the humanoids and neckbeards get upset with me for just acknowledging this fact. It's not even like I made it up. I didn't create the problem. I'm just saying, hey, there's a problem there. Look at that. Anyway, I scoured over 100,000 impressions, okay? I scoured. I looked through them, and there was one person in particular who is halfway reasonable. I can tell this person is not a neckbeard. I'm pretty sure they have a clean-shaven neck. 
They still may be a humanoid. We're going to find out. We're going to get to the bottom of this. But I figured, you know something? Me being the Duke, me being a gracious guy, I'm going to have somebody from this whole thing here come on the show and express what these sentiments are and why there was so much anger, so much vigor. I even had threats in my inbox. People saying they're going to call the cops on me. They're going to get me. F me. The whole nine yards. The whole nine yards, right? Well, I reached out, invited somebody to come on who can reasonably communicate without foaming at the mouth, and let's see how this goes. So, without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. The man that goes by the name Agent Kevin 007. How are you, Agent Kevin? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, listen, th- thank you for being halfway reasonable, you know, not cussing me out and carrying on too much there. So, of course, I said, let, let me invite the reasonable guy on, and maybe he can decipher and make sense of all of this craziness from these rabid AEW neckbeards and humanoids. So, so tell me, Kevin, what is all the fuss about? What did I say that was so bad that caused all the uproar? Uh, you know, for me personally, the the tweet just came across somebody had liked it or that I followed whatever, and it, it came onto my feed. And my initial reaction was that I, what you were saying is not what I watched or saw. I mean, I think I told you I was there live. I, I came back and, and watched the show on TV. And for me, there was never anything said in the promo, you know, never anything indicated immediately on social media that that the match is for a title and, and for me you know i look at it, it's it's basic booking it would make sense of his character um you know one thing you said that i do agree with is when he dropped cody rhodes uh which i think actually had the opposite of the intended effect that there was actually people laughing about that when that was supposed to be something you know to get some heat on him um but you know, I, I never once took from the segment that it was for a title match. Okay, and, and listen, that's understandable. So your impression is Jericho was just making a match. You didn't take from it that it was a title match. Fine. Do you yeah, see I, where there could be confusion, where there can be mixed messages being sent based on the fact that he specifically talked about Cody Rhodes is not getting shot because he can't? Do you see the confusion there? I mean, I think you could read too much into that if that's what you want to focus on in that entire promo. Um, You know, for me, when he's going through the list, I I don't take it seriously at all, considering the the names he added to the lexicon. Uh, It it ultimately was a mismatch up of, like, three of his WCW promos. You know, it was no different than the the Man of a Thousand Holds, and like I mentioned, it, it... goes back to the Bret Hart L Dandy thing. It just it was all, you know, meant to be a comical segment to set up Jungle Boy coming out and challenging. Now see there, see what you did there, Agent Kevin. You, you, you're playing games now because what is it that Cody Rose is not allowed to do? It's not like he's not allowed to have a wrestling match with Jericho. What is it that Cody Rhodes cannot do? Oh, you're, he absolutely cannot challenge for the title. But I think if you go back to wins and losses mattering, you go to the Scorpio Sky match, you know, he was in no position to have a title shot, but he pinned the champion. If Jericho were to have a match against Cody and Cody pins him, you, you know, what, what do you do? Well, first of all, Scorpio Sky has a winning record 
and he pinned the champion during a match that the champion requested against the tag team champions. So Scorpio Sky getting a title shot made sense, okay? But you bring up a good point. The last number of times we've seen Chris Jericho wrestle in singles competition, they've been for the championship. So it would make sense even further that you would expect this to be a championship match. But that's neither here nor there. When I posted what the website said, screenshot and link, and folks, don't worry, I'm going to put it up on the Duke Loves Wrestling Twitter and Facebook feed so you, anyone who's missed it, you can see it for yourself and you can see the dysfunction going on with AEW where one hand is not communicating to the other hand and I don't know what the hell's going on there. Um, but when you saw that, did that at all give you any kind of indication of what I was talking about? I mean, I, I absolutely see what you're talking about, but again, for me, as somebody who's watched for 30 years of my life, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a company's website directly contradict or spoil or not jive with what's going on on TV. So, you know, I do appreciate, appreciate the fact that you actually reached out for clarification and Cody responded and, and all that, but I, I kind of, you know, in, in this day and age, how many people actually go to the website? I didn't even know they had a website. Oh, okay. Because, you know, AEW, they promote their website, which they're very proud of, by the way, on their social media, which is the whole point of recapping their show, which they do on a weekly basis, by the way. So they, they direct fans to go to the website. And the whole purpose of me going to the website, going to the recap, was to verify. Did I get that right? <laughs> and that's no, exactly what it was there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's undeniable. It was there in black and white. I just chalk it up to that that was obviously a misstep in communication between the two, but I'm going to go with, you know, what I've seen and then what, you know, obviously one of the EVPs of the company is saying, okay, no, it's not. You know, whether they choose to ignore it on the website or not, you know, that's that wouldn't be unprecedented for a company either, but it th there's things there, obviously – that could make you question, but if you take what was said at face value, you know, from the get-go, he said he's supposed to have one more match. When he did the, the list, he said, these are the people that I will not be having a match with in the rest of 2019. He, he never said I will not be having a title match. He just said match. And the only thing that, that kind of got wonky is when he said the Cody thing for Heat that backfired. And then, you know, the website, obviously not checking before they posted a bad article. Let me ask you a question, uh, Agent Kevin007. Do you have a prescription for contacts or, or glasses of any, any type there? Negative. Okay, so you, you've never had to have a prescription. How, how's, your, how's your vision? Uh, it's, it's pretty good. Okay, it's pretty good. I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, 2020. Okay, because I, I just got my eyes tested three weeks ago, um, and I'm definitely 2020. I've never had to wear glasses, never had to wear contacts. Got very laser sharp vision, laser sharp. So I, I can't assume that when we look at things, as you say, and take them at face value, looking at them, how am I going to believe that you somehow can see better than I can? That, that's not a thing. You interpreted it one way. I interpreted it one way. Cody interpreted it one way. 
And whoever's running the website interpreted it another way. My point is there was so much left into interpretation. That's why we're at where we're at, which at the end of the day, no matter what happens, this is an example of advertising one thing and delivering something else. Because oh, why are you advertising something on the website that's not going to happen? And if you're advertising it on the website and it does happen, then why is Cody saying the opposite? But how, I mean, how's your hearing? Because, you know, my hearing's pretty good. Um, and when I listened to the promo, not once did the words title match come out of his mouth. That was people inferring. Now, the website didn't update till after the fact that would support the theory. But when that promo aired, never were the words title match mentioned in the promo. And never were the words it will not be a title match or non-title match mentioned in the promo. So we have to go by what are called context clues. Okay? I'm getting a little, you know, I, I got a lot of folks in education. I was, I'm sure you are since you're an agent 007. I'm a pretty educated guy myself. Context clues which means you listen to the totality of the thing in order to arrive at a conclusion. The fact that he brought up that Cody Rhodes will not be getting a match with him because he can't, the only thing, the only type of match that Cody cannot have with Chris Jericho, as far as we know, as far as what's been marketed, is a title match. So, going by that, my impression and what the website said to confirm it, which I looked at before I tweeted, I arrived at the conclusion I, I arrived at. So, and listen, I don't begrudge you for arriving where you arrived. Here's my question to you. Why the mass, and you saw it for yourself, disrespect, anger, vigor put towards me? Can, can you explain any of that? Does any of that make any sense to you? Uh, you know, I don't think any of that. It's people, you know, both sides. You know, I, I think we would be fooling ourselves if we said there wasn't some of this coming from both sides. We live in an age where, you know, the audience that the two shows, we're, you know, we're going with AEW and NXT, are marketed to smart fans. Smart fans live on the internet for the most part, it's a digital age, you know, the access to information about shows, companies, you know, numbers is more prevalent now than it was, you know, 97, 99. It was there, but you, you really had to look. You know, now you got people who think they know what some of these numbers mean. And it's all out there. If you want to learn, you can absolutely comprehend and understand them. But a lot of people don't. They just think they do. And so they see something and they think they have this, this understanding of what it really means. And now they feel entitled that, you know, their opinion's right because they get it. They know they, they look at a number. They look at a viewership number. And if this viewership number is higher than this viewership number, then obviously this shows better. And, and we both know that ultimately it does not work like that. That people have fooled themselves into thinking that these things do work like that. And when somebody questions it to show their superiority, because we all are nerds to some degree, you attack the person with the opposing view. I don't understand it. I would much rather have the civil conversation about it. But unfortunately, for a gigantic demographic, you just can't. Agent Kevin 007, do you have any, uh, are you a neckbeard? 
I am absolutely not a neck beard. I can't even grow facial hair. It's a travesty. Oh, look at that. Okay. So I, I, that's the only reason why you're as uh, reasonable as you are with what you're saying, because, you know, you're not a neck beard. Are you a humanoid, though? That, that, I, I think we may have found that, though. I think you may be a humanoid. I, I, you know, don't ask my wife. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Well, folks, Bobby's brain heated. You know, he he's the one who educated us on humanoids are, and I think Agent Kevin may be one of those. Uh, I, I'll say this, and I think that this was on clear display throughout the entire thread. I don't care what your impression is. It doesn't bother me that you saw something different or you heard something different or you interpreted something different. I'm okay with that. All I was doing was expressing what I saw and how it's indicative of the overall issue with the AEW management and the product that they're delivering. Do not market something that you can't or you're unwilling to or you're not going to deliver. That's my message. I've been beating that drum since the very first event. This isn't anything new. And this isn't me trying to be edgy or trying to be cool or trying to be disagreeable. I've been saying this from the beginning. And, when again, when WWE or anybody else delivers something that they they marketed the opposite, I speak up about it because that's what you do. You hold these companies accountable to what they say. And AEW is not presented like a real sport, and the wins and losses don't matter, and we've seen that. I mean, Jesus Christ, you've got matches that are quote-unquote unsanctioned. When the hell is that? What are we even talking about? The battle royals don't don't count towards your, your uh, win-loss record. What? But the tag team matches do. And you can have singles matches if you win tag teams matches. I don't even, like, this is just completely bizarre. doesn't make any sense. But they book themselves into a corner. But it's like, just don't even bring it up. Stop trying to be everything to everyone and just, just put on some great wrestling. Is it really that hard to do? You don't need to outsmart yourself or overthink it. Just give us a good wrestling product. That's all we care about. So that's my overall issue. And again, this was one tiny piece of a larger puzzle that's been building since the very beginning. But everybody wanted to latch on to what I said about this, and they just completely lost their mind. But after you've seen all the evidence, Agent Kevin, have you changed your mind at all, or are you sticking to your guns here? I I think that it's obviously an issue, but I guess for me, when I look at the product as a whole and, and just what I've observed over the years, it is that segment was such a non-issue compared to what I think are the big issues, and you touched on the win records being one of them, um, but th there's so many things with them that they need to fix in really the immediate, because they don't have time <laughs> with being a new company, that just when that segment hit, it just, you know, I took it for what was presented. I didn't read too much into it. You know, I understand the actual booking logic of the match, and I'm, I'm giving them that one. Um, you know, was it done perfectly? Absolutely not. But was it something that made me react strongly one way or the other? Not really. You know, I was just voicing my opinion about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, do you have anything to say to any of the neckbeards who are on my timeline cussing me and threatening me and calling me an idiot and retard and all these other terrible names and words and what have you? Oh, absolutely. Wrestling is supposed to be fun. It's an escape. It is not something to take so seriously. 
if you let wrestling or anything impact your life to the, the, the degree that people currently are, find a new hobby that, that, that can't be enjoyable. You know, wrestling's not for you. Wow. That's well said. That, that, that was almost poetic. Look at that. Listen, let everybody know. If they want to follow your feed online, if they want to get some more Agent Kevin in their life, what's the best way they can reach you and follow you and, and tweet along with you? I mean, my Twitter handle is AgentKevin007. You know, tweet me, follow me, message me. We can chat wrestling. I enjoy it. Please don't come at me crazy. I don't have time for it. I just want to enjoy it. See, Agent Kevin, he's, he's a reasonable guy. We don't have to agree, but at least he's a reasonable guy. He wasn't cussing and carrying on like some of you crazy humanoids out there. I, I don't know. I don't know what the heck's wrong with some of you folks. But that's, that's another story. So, listen, I've belabored the point for long enough. Okay? Here is my peace offering. Here is my way on International Duke Day. Do something nice for everybody. My exclusive interview, the unauthorized AEW interview with the legend himself, Tony Schiavone. And why is it unauthorized? Because it happened before All Elite Wrestling ever existed. Nonetheless, (laughs) nonetheless, Tony Schiavone is very candid in this interview. Uh, this happened two years ago. It's in our archives there, so you can definitely reach back and you can find this. It was uh, December 12, 2017. Okay, so that was on International Duke Day two years ago. But I'm bringing it back because I know we had a lot of new listeners here, and some of you are a little lazy. You don't want to dig back into the archives. So I said, you know something? Let me do something special for everybody. Again, the unauthorized Tony Schiavone interview coming at you right now hey it's tony shivani voice of wcw world championship wrestling and co-host of what happened when with conrad thompson and i'm here to set the slapdick straight (laughs) (laughs) you know if to hear that voice coming out of the headphones and and referring to us specifically as slapdicks that's a very special moment for me oh yeah see that you amazing you accomplished (laughs) something in life life. Wow, Tony Schiavone, the legend. How are you, sir? Duke, I understand you're an old mofo right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'd like to say, you know, don't do like I did and soil the carpet on, like, your 56th birthday. <laughs> do what I did, so, uh, which is a legend in my house. But uh, good to be with you and uh, the Boston bad boy. It's uh, it's always great, great to talk to people about pro wrestling because – now that I've gone back recently, you know, and and watched some of the old stuff, man, I've forgotten how some some of that stuff was great. See, oh it's yeah, great to, great to talk to people about the old days. It, that's what we're going to be talking about. And I guess old is the theme of this show. <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, and, and he's getting older by the minute, Tony. He's yeah. just I can see, see him aging in front of my eyes. You know, you know what, Shivani? Now I know why uh, Bobby the Brain he didn't have a problem with you. I see what's going <laughs> yeah. on here. Yeah, already going down the wrong now, dream. Well, let me ask uh, Duke. Let me ask you, how high is your chair? It is. It definitely is. It definitely is. There's the end of that. There. So, so Tony, uh, first of all, I'll, I'll tell you right now, man. It was it was crazy after all these years of you being away from the pro wrestling business to hear you on a podcast with Conrad Thompson. I mean, it just really blew my mind, especially that very first episode uh, about a year ago now, right? 
Yeah, it, uh, Duke, it'll be, uh, I think it was the week of January 30th, so we're about two months away. So, yeah, it was right after the first of the year uh, that we started this. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was around uh, the time of New Year's, mm. the brand-new year, when Conrad got in touch with me and said, hey, i got a great idea for you. And I said, what? He said, let's do a wrestling podcast. And I paused for a minute, and then I went, hell no. <laughs> Uh, That's what I said when Duke asked me to do this show, by the way. Yeah. And every week I keep saying hell no, Jesus. but I get dragged back in here. Right. Uh, but uh, then he convinced me, you know, my daughter's getting married, uh, and he convinced me to do it. And, man, it's been it's been wonderful. It's been absolutely wonderful to be able to, to do this podcast with him, even though he's a redneck from Alabama. <laughs> usually, you know, usually I don't get along with rednecks from Alabama, you know, uh, because I've got to make sure to check his family tree to see if, you know, if he didn't marry his sister or his cousin. <laughs> Roll tied like to that, huh? Roll <laughs> tied to that. Jesus. Roll tied to that. So, uh, but yeah, it's been great. It really has. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm blown away by the reception that we've had. And, and I think a, a lot of that is not only because, you know, we're into a lot of people who grew up in the 90s are into nostalgia. Uh, nostalgia is really big right now with the that, that age group. But... Uh, I think another reason it's it's been so good is the fact that, well, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm I'm trying to be a pretty honest person, and I'm and I'm talking uh, the way Tony Schiavone would have talked had he been able to back in those years. Mm. Mm. And you know what? You know? Speaking of that, yeah, I mean that first podcast that you guys did was sort of the podcast heard around the world in in the in the fact that everyone knew you and loved you growing up on TV, and you right. come right out of the gate cussing. You're like yeah. you're like the Bob Saget of professional wrestling. I mean, it yeah. was just like you know, no one expected it, but it was pretty great, if you ask me. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. There have been a, a number of people on social media that said. You know what? You need to cut down on the cussing. <laughs> and uh, well, you, 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 you look—you can't—you you can't go with, by what everybody, but just a couple of people say yep. on social media. But let me tell you this: that I, I grew up in the mountains of Virginia, uh, and I've been married 36 years, and I've had five kids. Mm -hmm. That trio will make you cuss. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And you know, it's scientifically proven that people who cuss are smarter and more <laughs> trustworthy. I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> well, I'm a trustworthy genius because uh, I throw it out. But but yeah, it was it was. I understand though, you know, because I was the pretty much the straight man back then, uh, and anybody who really knew me backstage uh, back in those days knew that that wasn't really me. So <laughs> I'm getting to betray the betray it right now and, and having a great time with it. That's great. You know, it's it's funny though, Tony, because you you say that you get a little criti criticism for that. What is the, the biggest criticism that you've had in relation to your uh, career in pro wrestling in general? There? Well, the biggest criticism I had, uh, Duke, was uh, that I was a, uh, an overhyped machine, uh, which is true. Uh, to the, at, the, at the end of the run at WCW, things were, things were so bad at that time that I thought, eh, what the hell, I'll just go into overhyped mode and try to oversell things. I, I remember back... In the day, uh, and we and I can't remember what it was, but this was very near the end when Bischoff had the uh, brilliant idea to have someone who one of our viewers, and I don't know how he was going to do this, would be able to win one million dollars. Oh boy! Oh no! And that was that was going to be the big deal. 
So we were in Miami doing Nitro, and he came back in the announcer's room talking to me, Heenan, and today, and I can't remember who else was back there. And he said, all right, all right guys, he said, here's what we got for tonight that I want to press upon you, uh, that uh, we're going to start tonight uh, teasing the fact that in the coming weeks we will let you know how you can win $1 million just by watching WCW Monday Nitro. And he said that, and he's waiting for a big reaction. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, and he flipped out. He said, that's what I expected from you, Shivani. Oh, no. That's the way you're probably going to sell it. And I remember after he walked out, and he and I, we all, we all got a big laugh about how he, you know, how he flipped out on the way I reacted. I remember thinking, okay, all right, you asked for it, buddy. <laughs> so I, I spent that entire Nitro. And, and I'd love to. I'm sure it's it's, it's on the network somewhere. Sure. The entire Nitro. That's all I talked about. Say that it. is all I talked about. Say it, about. Tony. Say it. The, the, the famous yeah. uh, catchphrase there. Yes. You know, we're getting ready to have probably the biggest event in the history of professional wrestling where you can win $1 million. <laughs> I don't care if Rick Flair has a side headlock on somebody right now or not or whatever. <laughs> you can win a $1 million. And I did it over the top ad nauseum. At one point, it was one million dollars. <laughs> now, so then we go back, and I'm thinking, boy, that was that was lousy. Mm. And we go back, and Eric says, "That was wrong. You did great." Oh Jesus! Uh, and I'm thinking, wow, he's just completely lost it here now. So, and of course, we didn't last long enough to give anybody else a million dollars. We gave plenty of people millions of dollars. For no reason, uh, but, but we didn't get, get a fan. So that was kind of like uh, one of the overhyped uh, moments I remember. And I remember a lot of it. And, you know, I remember guys when I first, when we first uh, were sold to WWE and I didn't go to the WWE and I left wrestling, I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to go back. Because I got some tapes of my stuff. I'm going to go back and see uh, exactly uh, how much I overhyped the things. And I remember putting the tape on and going 10 minutes into it and saying, that's enough of that, man. I can't listen to myself. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so, uh, but that was back then. But as time heals all, I- I've gone back and I've, you know, on the network listened to a lot of things. And, you know, some things were really as bad as we thought. And some things weren't as bad as we thought. Some of the stuff you see now of uh, the WWE oh. is, is just as bad as what we were putting out. <laughs> Uh, back in uh, 1999 and 2000. It's true. It's true. I mean, you, you talked about a little bit of that friction towards the end there with the WCW. It, now, is that, did that sort of come from those guys that are running it and those guys that are in the ring and not understanding you guys being pros behind the mic and what your job had to be to, you know, they wanted more, 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 and you guys going, hey, listen, we're trying to put a whole show on here, and, you know, that might be too much, and, and you say, okay, well, all right, and then you want it, you got it. Yeah, that was it. I... I uh, I I remember a number of times, uh, and I think I've mentioned this on one of our podcasts as well, and this would really make me mad. We uh, we we were a company that needed Ritalin. Because we, couldn't, we did. We couldn't pay attention to anything. Couldn't focus. Sure. Yep. Yep. No, we couldn't. And there, there would be a lot of times that I would be calling action in the ring and screaming at the top of my head, and there would be like Terry Taylor, uh, who I remember specifically, but I mean... Kevin Sullivan was a part of this too, and uh, and there were some other guys. So uh, they would uh, they would tell me, you know, get more excited, pump it up a little bit more. And then what would happen? I would say something about 
a wrestler. And Terry Taylor would have dropped his headset in the back there and gone and talked to the next wrestler about his match. And then he would come back and he would put his headset on and he would give me a line to say. Well, a lot of times, guys, that was a line that I just said. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Boy. You know what I did? I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then during the course of the commercial break, I would talk to Terry on the IFB. I said, Terry, I don't mind you producing me. I really don't. But listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's half the battle. That's what I just said. Yeah. So, so there was friction. There was, you know, when things start going downhill, everyone starts to... Uh, Everyone starts to come up with their own reason why it's going downhill and their own reason of, of what they should do, and everybody tightens up. And, of course, you know, I, as I've said before, it was a coffin on roller skates, man. Sure. It was during the end. Well, you know what's, what's interesting, Tony? Um, because you weren't one of the people who ended up in the WWE uh, when they bought WCW and, and, and what have you there, there was definitely a period of time where Tony Schiavone was looked upon in a not-so-positive light. Yeah, but then I, you know, literally, there's been a resurgence within the past five years, and and specifically in the past two years, and it coincides with uh, Ric Flair's resurgence as a, as a pop culture icon, right? And what's happening here is that the old Flair interviews from from the mid to late '80s and the in the you know early '90s and what have you, you were there for most of those. You were c- conducting those interviews most of the time. So yeah. and everyone is quoting those interviews and, and those catchphrases and what have you, and it's like, oh yeah, there's Tony Schiavone. He was he was pretty good back then. Yeah, it, well. Do you, do you feel that your resurgence and in, and in, in history being kind to you now coincides with Ric Flair? I, I think that's valid, Duke. Uh, you, you know, first of all, they were never interviews. <laughs> that's right. I don't think I asked him anything. I just introduced him. <laughs> he's, now, he's held the mic. He never got a word in edgewise. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> exactly. Don't wrap me uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I think uh, I think that's a valid point. I also think that I, I think I stayed away from the business long enough, and I think one of the reasons that I was not uh, too uh, too liked back there at the end was I was overexposed. Mm. You heard me all the time, and if you hear the same announcer doing all the shows. Uh, Nitro, Thunder, pay-per-views, whatever, it's just too much. And, uh, you know, I'm doing some stuff with MLW now. Uh, we've got another one of their, their shows coming up uh, in, in a, in a, on the 7th of December. Uh, and it's once a month. I, I don't mind doing that now and then, but I do not want to go back and do what, all the stuff I was doing back in the WCW days. I, I think that people were sick and tired of hearing, hearing me. And, of course, the overhyped. But I agree that, you know, the resurgence of flair, and again, it goes back to this, too. You know, guys who uh, watched the stuff and were younger back in the 80s and 90s, you know, they're big in nostalgia right now. I don't know if you guys have, have seen that, you know, Nintendo has come out with a Super NES. Yep, sure. And the original Nintendo, right, that is preloaded with all these games. Mm-hmm. 80 bucks. You can't, yeah, you can't find those anywhere. Nope. Yep. They're, they're gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's the same, that's the same people. Uh, they're in the nostalgia. Hey, I remember. Uh, I remember Legend of Zelda. I remember, uh, you know, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I remember oh, the video game. You're a gamer, yeah, was he, Tony. You're a gamer yeah. back in the Look day. Are you still a gamer? Oh, yes, I was. Really? Yes, I was. Wow. As a matter of fact, I beat Super Mario too. As I, what? I beat it like at, I beat it like at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I woke up all my sons <laughs> and told them, "Hey, 
I just beat Super Mario too. That was the and hardest I, game ever made. Oh my god! Yes, I know you had to pick up those mushrooms. Oh my god! Yeah, the radishes, and then the, exactly. it was insane. Absolutely insane. Absolutely. So yeah, I was a big time gamer back then with my kids, and now I I just uh, now I'm old and decrepit, and I, I don't have time for it. <laughs> You're not, but, not, uh, not really into Call of Duty or anything like that. No. Not hooking up with your friends no, and putting the headset you know on. What? That Call of Duty World War II looks pretty good. I know, oh, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> it does. It does. Yes, it does. Although I saw where it had a zombies mode. Uh-oh. And, although I, and I'm thinking, now, where in the hell was there a zombie in World War II? <laughs> you know? Yeah, a little That's creative good. license yeah. there. Yeah, right. But that looks pretty good. But, no, I haven't. Uh, the last uh, last PlayStation I bought for my kids was PlayStation 2. Oh, okay, so let's so go back a bit. There were yeah. still some WCW games for that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was the character you could unlock. Yep. I was going to say, did you did you do any voice work for video games ever? Oh, yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I am very proud to say, and I spent a lot of money because I had four sons mm-hmm. growing up. I spent a lot of money on video games throughout the years for Christmas, and uh, uh, not only video games, but you know, uh, units and controllers, mm-hmm. and whatever. But thanks to my work with EA Sports. I made more money off the video game market than I paid in. That's great. That's awesome. So, <laughs> That's I'm awesome. Not many that. people can yeah. say that. We're, we're talking right. to the voice of WCW and co-host of What Happened When Monday, Tony Schiavone. So, Tony, I want to circle back real quick to these old these old promos, like working with Flair and those guys back in the 80s. Two questions sure. I have. The first one is, did you ever get scared when one of these guys built up a head of steam and they're coming at you and you're, you're the straight guy? It, everyone's a professional, but did you ever wonder, is this going to go off the rails? Uh, no, not, not, not really, uh, uh, because I, I knew what, I, I knew that we were all kind of teammates. Right. If that makes any sense to you. Now, you know, some, there was one time where, uh, and he still talks about it when I see him, and I haven't seen him since the summer, but there was one time when Abdullah the Butcher was eating my tie. <laughs> I remember that. And they were that. doing a promo. <laughs> and and he, had, he had my tie in his mouth, and he kept chomping and chomping and chomping. Yes. And I remember thinking if. I think it was Paul Jones doing the talking at that time. I was thinking, holding the microphone, I hope Paul Jones finishes before he <laughs> gets to the end of the time. I have no idea where we're going to go with it. So uh, when, you, when you're doing those things, though, those were like, you know, that's just bread and butter work for you. You're doing all those, those promos. You, did you think that they were going to resurface on, on YouTube 30 years later? I mean, when you're doing uh, them, it's just pretty much, what's your feeling there? Well, I, I'm feeling that the only way I'm going to relive these moments would be if I would videotape these, and, mm-hmm. and that would be it. And then they, but uh, I mean, lo- look at what, what what's out there now, and how you can access things now. You know, that's the thing, guys. If you think about this, that's that is the thing where Turner Broadcasting or Time Warner, AOL, or uh, that's where they really, that's where they really screwed up big time. Big time, big time. Big time. They had that library. And if they didn't want to do wrestling, they could have still be making money mm-hmm. off of uh, But no, they were stupid. Yep. Uh, and I guess Jamie Kellner was the man who gave it all away. And if anybody in the world would hire Jamie Kellner, they would be the biggest idiot in the world. Whoa, uh, hot take. <laughs> how can you? That's throwing away money. That's not being able to sit down as a as a leader of a of a broadcast company, being able to sit down and realize. What the future holds, you got to be able to do that, uh, and uh, so they they missed it big time there. So, 
uh, I never thought it, it would come to this. And, you know, uh, I'm very happy to say that when Conrad and I do a show like the Halloween Havoc 95 or 97, uh, I understand the uh, the network spikes on those shows. Yeah, they do. They do. They yeah. do get more hits because people go to the network to watch as you uh, go along there. You know, you're speaking about a company that dropped the ball with that videotape library, and, and ultimately that's exactly. why WCW went down the drain, uh, these poor right. uh, business decisions there. But a company yeah. that didn't drop the ball was the World Wrestling Federation, which we all know is the WWE today. Uh, yeah. You actually spent a brief period of time over there. Yeah. What was the main difference between WWE and, uh, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions and, and WCW, which really you can lump those two together. What was the main difference between the two entities there? Well, the, the main difference, Duke, is that WWE, wrestling is what they did, and they knew how to spend money the right way, uh, and they were a big-time business. Uh, Jim Crockett Promotions was a mom-and-dad, a mom-and-pop's operation. Uh, it, it, it's like a, I don't know, mom-and-pop's restaurant trying to compete with a big chain, uh, and they just can't do it. Uh, I always thought, and I still think to the day, that the reason that he won the war was this. His television, well, there were many reasons, but I have a wrestling show on 92.9 The Game on Wednesdays in Atlanta, and someone called in the other night and said, could anyone compete? Do you think anyone can compete with the WWE? And I said, no, they couldn't because his television show is looks better than anything else. If, if you don't have a television show that has the production value that he has, you can't compete with him because anything else looks like a small-time operation. That's right. So and it, that, that's what happened back then. That's why he, he got all those TV clearances back in the 80s, because his show looked better than anybody else. That's right. It looked better than Jim Crockett Promotions. It looked better than Bob Geigles out of Kansas City. It looked better than Championship Wrestling from Florida. It looked better... And television uh, people, television program directors wanted his show. And it, it's, yeah, you got to have a good product. I understand that. But you got to have a good look, too. And unless people are willing to spend the money for the good look, then you're, you're not going to get it. We did in WCW back in the heyday, we had a pretty good-looking show as well. But you can't tell me now uh, that anything that uh, Ring of Honor puts out or Impact Wrestling puts out looks better than what, Vince puts out. So I, I don't I don't think you can, uh, and I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, I don't think you can have anything that, uh, that competes with them because he knows how to spend money on production. And back then, that's what I found out. When I went to work for the WWE in, in 1989, I went, holy smokes. Mm. So this is how it's really done. <laughs> uh, and we had post-production, we had edits, uh, we had, it, it was tremendous. That's that's yeah. pretty that's pretty incredible. I, I mean, it's I, I'm pretty outspoken against Vince McMahon, but I will give uh -huh. him credit for doing that. And I always interested in talking with people who have actually spoken to the man because I I haven't spoken. Well, to Well, he's a good friend sure. of mine. Well, Duke, Vince, Duke Vince claims yeah, Duke mine. claims he's friends with Vince. I know it's well, not I true, am. Tony. I know you've you've worked with the guy. You know him. What what's he like? What is this guy like when you're working with him? Well, let me say this. Uh, I liked him a lot. See. Thank but you, thank you, Tony. Okay. But I was only there for a year, uh, so you know uh, it could have changed. Sure, but he was good to me. He was good to me, and and Linda was good to me, and and I bring up the story all the time that after I basically walked on him, uh, and 
and that was in um, April of 1990. My mother passed away in uh, in July of 1990, and we got in the mail a uh, this leather-bound uh, certificate of them of the Catholic Church saying saying a prayer for my mom. Wow. Uh, and those things cost a lot of money in the Catholic Church. Absolutely. And I never called Linda or Vince to tell them that my mom passed away. They just and knew. And they just knew. I mean, of course, you know, word gets around. Mm-hmm. But that that meant a lot. And when I left, when I left Vince, uh, and uh, that 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 last interview, or not the last interview, but when I went to him and said I was leaving, I remember him saying, he said, do you think that Turner Broadcast is going to care about your family and take care of your family like we do? And I said, no, I don't. Wow. And I was right, because it was very much a family atmosphere there. And uh, so, Duke, I'm with you, man. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've always liked the guy, and I've always had a, a fond place in my heart for him. And I, I still say, <laughs> I say this on, the, uh, on our podcast, and Conrad always saying, you're angling for a job. <laughs> I don't know what Duke is angling for. No one's ever going to give him a job well, in pro wrestling. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Stop. But, right. but I'm still saying it. it is, of all the years, and I love the Crockett's. They meant so much to me. Uh, and I had some great years financially in WCW. That one year in the WWF back then was my finest year in pro wrestling. The one where I learned more about wrestling and about television production. And one where I enjoyed working more than any time ever. Well, you know, I, I will give credit where credit is due. And uh, on McMahon's part, that was a classy move, taking care of the family and, and reaching out. So uh, for tonight only, because of Tony, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mitigate my war. Wow, McMahon. good job, Boston bad boy. Good job. <laughs> Jeez. So, so, Tony, there's this famous moment in wrestling lore, and it's considered like the major turning point for WWE beating the WCW and then WCW yeah. ultimately going out of business. And I think you know where I'm headed here. It's during Monday Night Show, you let, you let, you let fly that Raw was taped and Mick Foley won the championship, and you uttered right. the famous line, yeah, that'll put butts in seats. I'm not even going to attempt exactly. to do it like you. So, yeah. how long? How often do people say that to you? Bring it up, and have you ever spoken to Mick Foley about it? Oh yeah, I I, I spoke to Mick a couple of days later. Oh really? About it. Yeah, I uh, I called him and uh, told him. Well, well, first of all, I, I told him, uh, and I, and I know he's talked about it, and I've talked about it, and of course, it's been years ago. So you remember things, but I remember saying when he picked up the phone, uh, Mick, you really don't think, you really don't think that I meant that. In other words, I I know everything's a work, and I'm doing what they tell me to do. Mm-hmm. So don't get pissed off at me for doing this. Damn right. Uh, and he and he said, well, yeah, I kind of did. And I said, well, I'm sorry if you did, uh, but you know, I mean, that's the, the blood's been spilled now, uh, but. I did talk to him uh, the following the following uh, couple of days later. Can't remember when that was. Maybe it was on a Wednesday or so. And we saw each other. I was at Wrestle uh, WrestleCon uh, down in Orlando at WrestleMania this past uh, April, and I I went. I can't remember why I was there uh, at the uh, WWE uh, hotel, but I was walking out, and he was walking in as fate would have it. Hmm. And, and I walked up to him. I said, "Hey, longtime fan." stuck my hand out and he looked at me and he looked at me and he went oh my god 
And so we stood there, and we talked, and, and we didn't talk about that at all. But we have talked since then. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. He's really one of the greatest performers um, that we've had as far as being able to talk, being able to work, and being able to uh, do crazy stuff that no one else in their right mind would do. Mm. And, and that call, uh, and that call for you to make that—that that came down from above you. That's above yeah. your pay grade, right? Well, yeah, it is. Uh, now, there's been rumors out there that says that Eric told me to say that. Eric did not tell me to say that. Uh, Eric had one of his producers walk out. I never will forget it. Her, her name is Annette Yoder, and she walked out, and uh, she called me. She kind of did that. I took my headset off, and I leaned over. She said, Mick Foley just won the, their, their world title or is going to win their world title or something, and Eric wants you to really bury it. Wow. And I said, are, are you serious? Hmm. She said, yeah. And I said, okay. And I put the headset on, and I came out with came up with butts in the seats. <laughs> so I came up with the butts in the seats. I didn't get it directly from Eric, but I got it from one of his stooges. Uh, and uh, so I know he sent her out there to do it. So here's the deal. Uh, if if people want to say that I'm in the one the one that turned the tide, okay, then thank you very much. <laughs> I, really, I really appreciate you thinking that I had that much stroke. In the Damn right. Okay. Well, well, I'll tell you how much stroke you have there, Shivani. Uh, that butts in seats, there's a photo of you that's probably a top five uh, pro wrestling meme with the <laughs> caption, that'll put butts in seats. You're and, a and meme, people, Tony. Literally, and people use that thing every single day to yeah. uh, to talk about anything. But it's just, it's such a, I'm going to send it to you later, too. It's such a famous meme. If you only yeah. knew. Here we are 20 years later. If you could and, only and get a nickel for every meme know, that was oh, had please. your face on it. You'd be all right. Well, here's here's what i got to say about that, too. Uh, not the meme, but about the moment, okay? People will remember where they were. People will remember what I said. Fact. People will remember what happened. But you can't tell me who won the last match on Raw on Monday, can you? <laughs> <laughs> you Hot the man's got a point. Hot take. Okay. Okay. So, Tony, you, you went through so much. Uh, especially with with WCW closing and and you know basically that was the end of your your wrestling career. Um, right. I mean, you, you made some small time appearances. I know the TNA thing and and, and what right. have you there. But um, your family has been with you throughout this whole transition. Right. So when you were on top of the world, uh, when the company closed and you had to go back to you know doing your your normal radio duties with sports radio, which you never really stopped doing. Um, and now here you are, where you're doing the wrestling podcast, and you and you doing the uh, the uh, MLW stuff now as well, with commentating again. How's your family taking you getting back into pro wrestling? Well, uh, it's a different dynamic now, Duke, because when wrestling when wrestling stopped in my life, it was a very inopportune time because uh, I still had kids in school. Hmm. Uh, my son uh, Matt, my oldest son. Uh, who now works for Fox News in New York City, oh, wow. uh, was, a, was a senior in high school. So below him, we had my daughter uh, and then my son and the, my twin boys. My, my son, Chris, twin boys, they were in middle school. So, you know, that's the time where, you know, your expenses are really high. So it was a bad, it was, it was an opportunity for me financially to, lo- to lose wrestling. But now, fast forward here, all the kids are out of the house. It's just me and... I'll think of her name in a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now nah, it's just me and my wife Lois, 
uh, and we've got four dogs, but the boys are so excited about it. Great. Uh, they were they were wrestling. They all listened to the they all listened to the uh, the podcast. And my daughter, who's the one getting married on in March, uh, she called me the other day. She said, "Dad, I was listening to one of the podcasts because Chris told me to." And I said, "Stop right there." Yep, yep. Don't, <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> do not listen to my podcast, Tommy Young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found it very interesting. I said, "I bet you did." Yeah. <laughs> so they are—they're—they're they're into what I'm doing now, big time, uh, and they're very excited about it. Uh, when uh, MLW came out with their their event, uh, uh, which was back uh, wow, a couple months ago that we did, uh, and it was called MLW One Shot, and I did the commentary with Rich Bocchini, uh I mean, everybody thought I was getting back into wrestling. Yeah, oh My yeah. Tons were calling me, and every, uh, the uh, the people I work with at the at uh, the uh, radio station says, "When you leaving?" I said, "What?" I'm, I said, I'm <laughs> pushing you out. Deal, okay, uh, I'm not going anywhere. I, I love what I'm doing. So, uh, so very happy that I'm back into it. But you know, I stay. I have stayed so busy uh, that uh, it's it's kind of like I. It was no big deal with the family. It yeah. really was. Well, you, you're a survivor, Tony. That's that's one thing we know about you, brother. Wait, we're going to throw out some rapid-fire questions for you. Just just tell us whatever comes to mind when we throw these things at you. You got it. All right. Uh, is your wife Lois drunk right now? No. If Lois gave you a one-night pass, who gets the button on a fur coat, Medusa or Deborah McMichael? Uh, it's Medusa. <laughs> wow, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you for one second. Why is it the lovely, legendary Medusa? Well, because she would probably end up, at the end, beating me up, too, which I, I might like. <laughs> that might be extra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a figure one leg lock. <laughs> you, nice, nice. You know what? Speaking of that call there, uh, our buddy Lavelle Porter, who, who's with uh, WrestleZone, he wants to know, what the heck is a back leg front kick? Okay, that is an Eric Bischoffism. <laughs> okay, that is one of those things where Eric would used to say to me, "You need to need to learn the karate and uh, and uh, moves." And I said, "Okay, sure, I'll learn them, whatever." And it's where a guy would be standing with a leg up front, a leg in the back, and he would use his back leg to kick in the front. Okay, so back leg. Front. You, you know, it seems like it's overexplained. I but. thought I thought that was I thought that was a rib when he told me to ask you that question. I can't believe there's an answer for that question. No, it, there really is a back leg front kick. But hey, guys, just think, it's nothing nothing difficult using the back leg. To get to the front. Listen, you're asking a lot for this crew I know, to think. Yeah, first seriously, of all. Here. come on, Shivani. All right, next next hot question. Here we go. Uh, does Ric Flair really have a baby's arm holding an apple? Uh, boy, I don't know if he does now at eight. <laughs> Uh, it could be down below the kneecap right now. Uh, but uh, he had it back then. It was incredible. It was, it was like every time you saw it, you went, it would look like you would gasp, and then you would say, ah, I've seen that before. So, it was always out. <laughs> yeah, like how can I miss you if you won't go away? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Finally, Shivani. Yeah. If you were in charge of this, right? Yeah. How would Tony Schiavone prefer wrestling fans uh, to remember you? Uh, well, if we're doing rapid fire, I have to think about that. 
I think they, I would prefer them to remember me as one of them before I started working. Mm. Because I was. And I was a big fan, big, big fan of wrestling back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when I was growing up. And uh, I, I felt like I was one of them. And I, that's why I respected the business so much through the years when I was doing it. When Jim Crockett told me, when he, they first smartened me up, what you see back here stays here, I believed it. Because I thought, man, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to go backstage and get to know these guys and be a part of this team. So I think that's what I want them to remember me by, being one of them before I got into TV. You see that, folks? There you have it. There you have it. You know? I'm telling you right now. So that, that proves that I got nothing but love for all elite wrestling. But I'm still going to hold you accountable because that's what I do. I'm the Duke. But uh, shout out to Tony Schiavone. Definitely... Uh, one of my favorites. He's the greatest of all time. Uh, just a great dude as well. Really got a lot of time for Tony Schiavone. And I got a lot of time for you. I, w- I want to thank all of my guests, everyone who called in and, and shared their thoughts on this amazing International Duke Day. Everyone who's listening, I appreciate you so much. Really do. You folks have been rocking with me all these years. And it just, the train don't stop, baby. We just keep on going. That's the way it is. That's right. So join us next week. I'm definitely going to have some more great guests on. In fact, I got a guy who has an amazing tale of hitting rock bottom and recovering. And now he is at the brink of becoming the next great wrestling referee. And when you hear his story, I'm telling you, you're going to find some inspiration. It's going to be something great to hear going into uh, the Christmas day there. So again, join us next week. And without further ado, Again, my peace offering, please. All Elite Wrestling, it's nothing but love, but I'm still going to hold you accountable. That's right. Without further ado, take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.